good evening, good evening. And uh, it's about a quarter till seven. I've been told this is the witching hour for this uh, rather rowdy, uh, rowdy, raucous crowd. Uh, welcome. Uh, anybody here for the first time other than the guest facilitator? <laughs> Change of attitude, thanks, Baker. All right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm the rookie, so y'all keep in, you know, keep me in line, hold up cue cards, like, pick it up, Robert, stretch it out, wrap it up. Okay, so yeah, I can take, I can take hand signs, yeah. So, let's take up the offering, seeing that in grace, and get out of here. All right. Well, but welcome. I, I'm glad to see uh, uh, Jackie. Glad that you're back with us. Uh, glad that the, the pacemaker is uh, hanging in there. I'm glad you're hanging there with us. God is uh, pretty good at that. Yeah. Well, listen, this is indeed the Wednesday night. Uh, Pitts Baptist Bible Study. If you're here for the underwater basket weaving, that's uh, uh, down to uh, two doors. So where are we going tonight? Some folks want to know. Okay, Robert, what's what's the game plan for the night? So yeah, I'm Robert Kirk. Uh, I'm the B team. Uh, Pastor Scott is enjoying some salt spray and crunching sand under his feet. He and Connie have some timeshare uh, gifted to them this week. So in an act of desperation, the pastor said, hey, Robert, what you doing next Wednesday? <laughs> you know, as you know, pastors will do that, right? You know, hey, how you doing? Great. Take my Bible study. Sure. What did I just commit to? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, and, and by all means, I want you to enjoy this time with us. And those of you that have been with me before, this is not a, uh, a show for quitters. Uh, a lot of interaction. Oh, this will be a really, really, really slow night. And I'll cry. So I'm Robert Kirk. So we're going to be uh, capturing prayer concerns. I'll need a, a vanna or... That being sexist, guys, somebody can write nicely on the board. I'm an educator and taught math at Robinson High School, among other places. And my handwriting is so bad that I can't read my own handwriting. My wife's been married to me 48 years. She can't read my handwriting. And I print. I print. That's how bad it is. So uh, in active inspiration, I need to put together all my uh, lesson plans in PowerPoint. Okay? Really nice, legible. And the, the staff was really impressed. God, this guy is so technology savvy. He's got his entire math lessons in PowerPoint, only because if I didn't, the students couldn't read my handwriting. So I got you know bonus points for being really avant-garde. And this will be back 2002, 2003 when the Robinson opened up. So I was it on a stick. So yeah, I, my handwriting. Actually, in the sixth grade, I have two report cards. Had little N's for need to improve, S for satisfactory, U unsatisfactory, right? We, okay, you're with me. Well, my, my, my sixth grade teacher uh, on handwriting put an N. It wasn't a U, but N. And she said, Bobby doesn't appreciate good handwriting. Ms. <laughs> Boydman, uh, I appreciate it. I just don't got it. Okay? So she thought I was being smart. I, like, I lost recess for a week. That was a, a great line. I appreciate it. I just don't have it. She did not see the humor of that. Moving my lunch, I will need somebody to capture the prayer concerns tonight, so please don't be bashful. We will have an opening prayer. Uh, and we're going to tonight go on kind of a, a, a two-pronger. We're going to take a look at not only scripture, but how do we dig in to God's word. Okay? We can talk about it all we want to, but unless we can practice it, unless we can do it, unless we can kind of flex our own muscles, those of you that go to the lie, you know, I can read about working out and uh, break out to sweat reading about it, or I can actually do something and get stronger, better, and improve cardiovascular. So how do we dig into the Word of God? So we'll be getting into Proverbs 1 here a little bit, and then certainly, as is our custom, uh, after the Bible study, we'll be praying and lifting for prayer concerns. So... 
Are we good so far? All right, good deal. So uh, tonight we're going to go to the source for wisdom. Ah, so you want to be a wise guy, eh? Uh, not quite the same, but we're, we'll, we may get there. We may end up being a wise guy. So the biblical truth that we start with is the Lord, Yahweh God, wants people to succeed in living right, and he instructs those who know and trust him and how they can do so. Okay? Right. Give a man a fish. He eats for a day. Teach a man a fish. He eats for a lifetime. Okay? So God not only gives us the meat and the bread, but he also teaches us how to chew and swallow the process. That's kind of where we're going tonight. And uh, kind of interesting here. Uh, Matthew 20 to 37. How are we to love our God? A familiar verse. If you know it, shout it out. How are we to love our God? And you can look it up. It's okay. You can Google it. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Go VBS. You must have shiny VBS. You know, I, I, I flung VBS. I can spell it. Okay. So, yeah. Somebody read it for us, please. What does Matthew 22, 37 say? You're absolutely right. Thank you. Yeah, you would need your Bible tonight. You find it, go ahead and read it. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. What's the last bit? With all thy strength. Okay, well, yeah, mind, right? You know, oftentimes we tend to park the car, and we kind of park our brains in the parking lot, and we come to church. We don't bring our minds with us to church sometimes. And if you've been involved and in trying to follow Pastor Scott this past Sunday and the theology of God this past Sunday, Calabunga, dude, that was some powerful preaching and some great instruction on the theology of God. Man, if you left your park, you're right in the parking lot, you were lost from the get-go. He just really, really challenges us. And, and sometimes, folks, we need, to, we need to have a good steak. And Pastor Scott is great at giving a steak. Yeah? Yeah. All right. So, uh, we're going to get started. Let's see here before we get this. Uh, let's go ahead and capture our prayer concerns while we're thinking about it. So, truly, I need somebody to, to grab a marker, come up here and scribble uh, so we can capture our prayer concerns. So, don't be bashful. Just come on up and grab a marker. And we'll start sharing prayer concerns. Yeah, but paper, rock, scissors. Think, think, think of a number between three and five. <laughs> you need some math help. Okay. Watch your breath. I've got the market for you on mine. Just... Yeah. Ooh, please. Oh, you always have no idea how bad my hand might be. Yeah, make me feel better. Okay. Thank you. All right. So, prayer concerns. And that could be joys. That could be really concerns. Y'all know the, the, your, the population better. And only ask for people whose names are easy to spell. Oh, that marker's got spell check with it, so you're good. Okay, good. I want to start by thanking God that Jackie's with us. And I'll be quiet. Yaki's back. Following pacemaker. And Jack.
I'm going to put Chuck, Chuck Mobley on him. He's still struggling. We're going to put Miss Liv on our prayer list. Our daughter Katie had the brain aneurysm three weeks ago, Monday. Three weeks ago, Tuesday, she had surgery, brain surgery. She has progressed so fast that she's amazed the doctors. She's going to finish her in in the house therapy Friday and go home. Wow, that's great. And it's been one miracle after. Other, even the doctors call her their miracle. And that's all the prayers of people. That's the answer to prayer. prayer. Yeah. That's yeah. Wrong. And we're so thankful. Jerry Sullivan. Yes, Jerry Sullivan. Yeah, what's up with Jerry? He's having some heart issues. Thank you. He has a virtual visit Thursday for his heart doctor. Now, what they're going to do on that, I would look at him and say, you don't look sick to me. I don't know what they'll say. I don't know. But that's going on Thursday. Uh, Barbara Zook is uh, not doing well. Uh, she has her MRI. Her MRI is Thursday too, isn't it? Honey? Yeah, she's having an MRI. She's been weak, dizzy, fatigued, drained. She went to the emergency room Sunday, I think. They did a few tests, sent her home, went to her doctor, they did a few tests. No diagnosis, but an MRI on her head, which I'm sure you all know how pleasant that's going to be on Thursday. Rich. Oh, Michael Kemp, his father's terminally ill. Kemp, K-E-M-P? Yes. I think he passed away this week. Oh. Um, okay. Mm. Family. Okay, the Kemp family. Okay. The verse, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. rest. This is good. This is, Christ tells us to lift each, other, lift each other up. And I don't want to run you off, but be thinking that we've got the organ recital going on here. Thank you, get that? Uh, you know, we are praying for, for physical ailments, things, our organs, body organs that are getting fatigued or worn or, or cancer attacked. But there's also the spiritual emotional component. Who are we praying for in our service? <coughs> Southern Baptist uh, Convention last the last year before last it all runs together right the year before COVID BC <laughs> before COVID you know who's your one who are you praying for that God's Holy Spirit will touch and bring them to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ that's really really important it, 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 it is easy in our day to day life to get wrapped up on, on things that matter certainly uh, my brother-in-law had his uh, shoulder repl uh, shoulder replaced. 
Monday, my sister-in-law had uh, radiation for cancer in her brain. Uh, my sister was going to have knee surgery Friday. So these are all the true, true valid ailments that God says, bring them to me, my child. Don't hang on to them. And tell me who you're praying for. Who's, who should you be praying for? Are you so wrapped up that you are too wearied to rest in Him? And so the challenge tonight as we indeed come to the Lord in prayer and Bible study, calm the mind, calm the heart, calm before the Lord. Let's just rest in Him for the next hour or so. Is that, is that, is that our ground rules for this evening is to rest in the Lord while we engage our brain? Yeah, that's a, that's a challenge. That's a challenge. But again, we hear in the meat of the Word, and Christ tells us, please, let me heal you. But I also want to give you rest. You don't sleep next hour, okay? If you sleep, don't snore, it bothers me. Okay, so are we good then? Uh, we've captured, and, and Bob, this is an all-inclusive list, so if something else comes up, we'll capture those. So, so thank you, Vanna, for uh, getting that list, and that'll be up. There you go, thank you. All right, so, so let's get focused a little bit. If I were to ask you, how would you define wisdom? Okay. Webster Dictionaries, you guys, what do y'all think? How would you define wisdom? There's no right or wrong answer, I'm just curious. I would define it finding God's will for your life and doing it. Walking in God's will is wisdom for me. Okay, uh, a pretty good Sunday morning answer. Okay. I'm a Sunday school teacher. What can I say? I love it. We default to what we know. Amen. Preach it, sister. It's now Tuesday, 7 o'clock at the workplace, and somebody says, how would you define wisdom? Experience. Okay. Experience? Yes. Yeah. Just jump in there. Yeah. Um, I would think it would be uh, knowledge that uh, originates from God, and not only originates from God, but comes with how to apply that knowledge. Oh, good. He must have read my notes for the night. All right, good. Yeah, we'll see how it gets Thank you, Gertrude. All right. It's 7 o'clock. We should get started then. All right, so yeah, wisdom comes from God. It comes with not only knowledge, but the application process. Good, I like that. Anybody else for wisdom? If you're a non-believer, uh, are you entitled for wisdom? Was Confucius a wise man? Was Plato a wise man? Was Aristotle a wise man? Was a, a sheik priest in New Delhi a wise person? They would probably, in their own minds, think they are. Ooh, good dodge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I truly am. Yeah. I didn't even bring my tap shoes. <laughs> there you go. I didn't use that, I'm sorry. But do you think they would be wise? Yeah. The ways of the world. Ah, oh, thank you, thank you. So how does our society and our culture look? Where does our society and culture look to for wisdom? Where do we find wisdom? Where do we look for wisdom? Besides Oprah and Dr. Phil. <laughs> well, Proverbs 1, verses 2, 3, and 4 tell us a lot about wisdom. All right, so hold that thought because you're going to the next slide. Yes, ma'am. That's exactly where to. But if our society at large, if I go down to Walmart, now I'm going to go to, say, Thursday lunchtime, and say, hey, where do you go for wisdom? Where do you go looking for wisdom in our culture today? I would still tell them the Bible. <laughs> okay, fair enough. 
Fair enough. Someone who has a lot of experience okay. can share. All right, so we've got experience coming through. Sure. Sure. Wisdom, right? I'll say too, though, on that, that it's subject to man's experience, um, meaning that uh, it's limited, very limited by what we can experience personally or what we can absorb intellectually, whether the writings, uh, books, uh, you know, sciences, if you study, things of that nature. But that's worldly wisdom. Okay. Without, without having got the basis of that knowledge, it's nothing but facts, and it's incomplete. Okay, so now we need to parse out a little bit between wisdom and knowledge. Yes? Okay, certainly, if I want my house rewired, I may not go to my local dog catcher to help me. Even though, if I've got a problem with the rabbit dog in my neighborhood, I'm not going to call the plumber or the electrician. So we do go to skill sets because your experience is in complete the blank. And so I am going to look for, to certain people for their experience, for their skill set, for their training, right? I'm going to assume that the uh, local dog catcher probably has a little more experience than I do in getting a rock bile or that's uh, cut loose in my, in my yard. Proverbs says that uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay. The knowledge of the Holy is understanding. Aha, there you go. And now we have the benediction, we can all go home. Thank you, that's exactly where we're gonna, where we're gonna end up. Fantastic. Good. So we said we bookended what knowledge is and is not, what wisdom is and is not. So which is more important than to succeeding in life? Succeeding in life. Are we looking at intelligence or are we looking at wisdom? Interesting. Yes, yes. Did Paul say that uh, love builds up? Pride, or intellect, puffs up? There's a difference there? All right, so, okay, I'm not beating a dead horse. I really want to understand that we are talking about a couple of very different things that affect us all. I think we're right. I would rather, if given a choice, A or B, I would rather choose wisdom. Interesting. Uh, if you know me a while, I, I, I tend to be one of the luckiest persons around. Things just, good stuff happens to me. And my wife says, Robert, you're the luckiest person I've ever met. And I will agree with that, but I also am quick to define what luck is. Luck is where preparation and opportunity intersect. Where preparation and opportunity intersect, then suddenly you become very, very lucky. So you do, right? Your, your doctor, who's super duper intelligent, if given the opportunity, well-trained, very lucky, it was a successful surgery or whatever the specialty is. So that's kind of where we're going with uh, our study tonight. 
on wisdom found in Proverbs. Godly wisdom is the name of the game. So, yeah, we're going to go to the owner's manual, our Bibles. Uh, good stuff, good reading. And we do often define thought processes in two broad categories, and uh, Pastor Scott has preached upon this before, has alluded to it, both deductive reasoning and inductive reasoning. Okay? You come in tonight, and you got your umbrella and your raincoat, and it is wet. What am I thinking is happening outside? And you must be in Concord in the middle of summer. Okay, so yeah, deductive and inductive reasoning. If you've been watching the show in trial in any way, deductive reasoning is where you kind of know where you're going. You are digging for your kind of results. More prosecutorial, right? I know you are guilty, so let me bring in and marshal all the forces that I can to prove my point. It's deductive reasoning. You're, you're leading into the direction you want your peeps to go. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's eisegesis which basically intro one's own idea. So you're going from the general to the specific. That's deductive, yes? Inductive is more the detective work. You're, you're collecting uh, your the exegesis, you're drawing out ideas, you're going from specific, and you're connecting the dots to the general. And so inductive reasoning is, aha, eureka, I've got it. You've been looking and looking and looking. So we'll be touching on that tonight in an inductive way. So this is kind of the construct, the tools you're going to need tonight to get into Proverbs 1, a little deeper than perhaps uh, maybe we would like to. I don't know. So the inductive tools for study, there are four steps that we'll be looking at in taking our scripture examination, which will help us transform our lives, our communities, and our church. Transformational knowledge. Wisdom, movement of the Holy Spirit, all that ties in. It's good to speak to a, a Baptist group, a, a Christian group, that understands the importance of the Holy Spirit and where we're going tonight. And listen, we'll deal with outliers. What if you're talking about who isn't a Christian? We've got to consider who's not in the circle, right? We can't be exclusive in our understanding of this. So we've got to lower the drawbridge and go out into the community, okay? All too often churches today... Me, myself, and I, it's club church. Raise the drawbridge. We're good. Until we have a big capital campaign and we need more people. All right. So here we go. One, observe. And to help me remember, that's the O for observe. Interpret. Very straightforward. Apply. Apply. That should be an A, not a C. Apply. I think it goes to some, something you said earlier. Let's make that a A. Apply. That's what, three right so far? All right, I said four. How does this point to Jesus? You have got to be kidding me. Everything really should point to Jesus? The best commentary on the Old Testament is the New Testament. The best commentary on the New Testament are the words of Jesus Christ. The best commentary on the words of Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit. So kind of, you know, sink your teeth into that milieu of how things work when we're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. A great influence to be under. 
So, what do we mean? Just kind of uh, dive a little bit into this, and again, feel free to jump in there and say, what about? So, observe, basically to engage. And folks, this is very straightforward. What does the author say? Not what Robert said, not what Granny Luma said, not what your great aunt said, not even what Pastor Scott says it says. What do the words say? Now, I do like it when Pastor Scott brings in the Greek and the Hebrew in the original text. That's awesome. But I'm talking about when you're reading at home over a cup of coffee or by the beach. If you go to the beach and don't take me with you, I'm going to be a little grumpy. So what does the author actually say? What's the English word? Look for cause and effect. Rep uh, repetition words, ideas, images, and check out the prepositions. Say what? Genesis 13, 12. Somebody's got the, got the book. Take a, take a look at Genesis 13, 12. But interesting, interesting focus of, Robert, what are you talking about? This got, prepositions got nothing to do with Abram and Lot splitting company. Genesis 13, 12, I think that's right. If not, I'll make something up. What does it say? And there may be several translations. I'd love to hear what uh, Genesis 13, 12 says. Abram lived in the Okay, yes. Lot pitched his tent where? What's the word? Near, right? Near, right? Close to, close by. Any other translations of that? Toward. And then towards the very end, and keep going. At the very last. Okay, as far as Okay, as far as near and towards. And we skip a couple of chapters later. And we find Lot where? Oof. In. Not towards, not about. It obviously must have better internet connection. Okay, he moved into the town of Sodom. Okay? So weird because something happened two chapters before, nothing to do until you realize that. Wait a second. How do you go from near or towards or close to inside? You know, it said, you know, oftentimes. In interviewing Christians that have left the faith, it's not a radical shift. They don't like jump out the window. It's more of a gentle, gentle backing away, backing away to one day they're out the door. So we find some of that as as old as, hum as humankind. Right. So yeah, check your prepositions. Right. Um, so at least for repetitions, where, where do the authors spend a lot of ink? Where is a lot of ink spilled? Folks, we're reading scripts that are thousands of years old, right? The book of Job, 3,000 years ago. 3,000. And we're still reading the book of Job. And we still read it at funerals, right? Dust and ashes. Okay? So Job's been around for a long, long time. And so has God, I think. That was part of the passage of the theology of God. Alpha and Omega. All right? All right, so good. Oh, and yeah. And take a look at some of the... What did the author say? Uh, I like some of the, excuse me, the contemporary term snarky, snarky terms. If you read uh, Nehemiah chapter 3, Nehemiah is coming back from Babylon. He's building right the wall uh, around Jerusalem. And this is, it's a really cool narrative. It's a quick read, and you get some really cool insights. You've got perfumers building walls. You've got a guy with five daughters that are kicked butt, and they're, they're, they're working on the clock, and they're getting, a wall. they're getting it done. And then you've got the nobles of Tekoa. And in Nehemiah chapter 3, the author slams 
the, the nobles of Tekoa, because the Tekoatites came to help, but the nobles, it was beneath them, and they deigned to come. So for all these centuries, we've been reading about the nobles of Tekoa being on the bad list. Yeah. And once it's inked in the Bible, folks, you can't escape it. There are some really shady characters in the Bible. So you know, don't, uh, don't gloss over that. You know what David did? I, I digress, but that's me. You know what David did once he uh, rocked Goliath to sleep? What did he do? He, thank you. A little loud there. There you go. Sunshine, GBS. He cut his head off. Yeah. With whose sword? With okay, Goliath's sword, right? And you know what he did then? Here's studly 16-year-old, 17-year-old David, perhaps, I don't know how old he was, but a youth, a yalf, if you watch that movie, Uncle Vinny, right? A youth. Youth. Thank you. A youth. Thank you. See, there you go. I've seen the movie. You've seen the movie. Here we go. So here's a youth. He beheads Goliath, and then he actually walks into Jerusalem. Don't you know, though, so we get into Goliath's head? That's his red badge of courage. And he's got a sword. Okay, so here's a youth. With a giant sword, which uh, he was what, seven plus feet, maybe eight, some say nine, three cubits, nine, foot and a half. Yeah. So he's got a lot, got a lot of his head. I mean, this is the barbaric times, the culture of the day. No big deal. And yeah, no wonder they sang about it. If you come and see, you know, swing somebody's head, I don't see really nice things about you, so you don't, you don't behead me. So yeah, so take a look at what does the Bible say? So, so far, so good. Read it with gusto. There's some really cool stories in there. You know, the giants with six fingers in each hand and six toes in each foot. Okay? In there. The king that was so tall had an iron bed. In there. So look. When reading a narrative, conflict, tension points. You know, who's kind of the number one tension guy in the New Testament? With the Pharisees and scribes. Jesus. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Focus on the tension points. What's the argument? Is the smoke and mirrors by the scribes and Pharisees? And Christ cuts right through it. Cuts right through it. Gives them no quarter. So watch those, those uh, uh, conflict and tension points. You know, sand battle in the building of the wall. Uh, again, back to Nehemiah. A lot of derailing of focus. Those of you that try to live, lead a project, how people undermine your efforts. So that's observing, right? It's, it's nothing more than Thank your second grade teacher for teaching you how to read. Use those skills. Engage. Read. Really read. And uh, take a look then. Interpret or understand. Any questions on observe? I'm sorry. I, I don't want to be sitting yet. That was kind of... This is where we're going to go here in a little bit. Yes, a little bit. Interpret. Understand. So, the deal is, was he, you know, was he writing... The good old Bubba's in Concord, North Carolina? Probably not. Okay? So the question to be answered is, what is the meaning to the people who first heard, read, or saw this? Right? Try to figure out... Okay, so you've got 1st and 2nd Sammy, 1st and 2nd Kings. you got, you know, you got the king's secretary. He's a paid... He's on the king's payroll. He's going to be very, very careful how pejorative he is about any bad thing that happened to his boss, right? Okay. And this throughout ages, I can with the data, almost any organization, you've got to be very careful not to tweak the boss's nose too much, 
right? We've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, sometimes got the pink slip because we were a little too abrasive. So, who is the author writing for? Okay, Cyril is great, the Pauline letters, the epistles, fantastic, we know the audience. He wasn't writing to us even though God's word speaks to our heart. So, try to picture in your mind, who's writing it, what's the, what's the end game? Is it truly a historical narrative? You know, is it for the purposes of taxation? You know, I've been out here reading recently the, uh, you know, the, the Absalom insurrection against David and how David the beat feet as Absalom comes in, you know, on the east side and David and company exit west side. I'm trying to understand that better. Joab, God, what, a, what an amazing general. And you talk about the tension, even today, between very powerful uh, generals. You can take a look um, in the world conflicts today, powerful generals versus the empire government. Prime Minister, King, Queen, I can open the, any, any, any newspaper and you'll find strong general versus strong leader and they're really very walking a very fine line. Okay. And uh, Joe, had, Joe was an interesting character. That's a different study sometimes. So anyway, who's reading it? What's the purpose? What's the end game of the writer? Read it carefully. Interpret, understand it. Did for the author's original intent We've touched on that already. And then finally, the, the third is apply. I call it the so what factor. I read it, I'm saying, okay, God. Okay. Those of you that uh, are sadistic enough like I am, and you read Leviticus, <laughs> man, you know, has about your third or fourth genealogy going, holy mackerel, come on, God. Put the program here. You know? And it's, it's fun because I try to read the names out loud and kind of have a good time with the names just to make sure that I'm not skimming it because when you get 137 names in a row, you're gonna, <laughs> your eyes glaze over, you're looking at your watch, and you're going through your third cup of coffee. So apply. Apply the soap one. Why is this so important? Why is this so important? So you don't be afraid to ask that question. And sometimes to say, okay, God, I don't get it, but it's your word. And eventually, maybe it'll gel. Maybe something will come to me. And like this is that what does this scripture mean to me personally? What does it mean to us, usins, the church, the church with the capital C, the church with the little c? What does it mean for us? Because keep in mind that scripture was mostly written for communities. Even though, as a dear Timmy, right, the letter gets circulated, it is for the church. Even though it's addressed to certain people, by and large, it's written to communities. Written to communities. So we need to absorb it as a community, not just as me, myself, and I, you know, walled in two. I'm not going to sit in a pond or, you know, <laughs> sit down and contemplate my belly button. It's, that's not it. How do I get it into our community? Okay? So observe, interpret, apply. So far, so good, folks? Okay, no time, no fingers in my hands. Pretty straightforward. Yes? Okay. So I'm going on a limb here, which I'm used to. Without application. But Bible study is a nice drill, yet could mean nothing or lead to nothing. Process that. Yeah, so what? You know, come in, punch the ticket, the pastor's why you here, you get rounding points, you get perfect attendance, and you rock on. Some people enjoy reading for mileage. When I was a kid, right? Read the Bible through the year, 
three chapters a day, Monday through Friday, five chapters on Saturday and Sunday, and you get done in 12 months, 365 days. And I remember, as a teenager, really going strong, and for at least two or three days. <laughs> hey, since then, though, I think I'm on the, like, the 25th reading of the Bible. Just, I, I, don't, I do read to, for enjoyment. I don't read for, for, I don't read for mileage. Though, after a while, when you get as old as I am, the miles build up, right? I hear some of the gray hair agreeing with me. So reading for mileage, what's the point? Reading for intellectual pursuit. You're really good at Bible trivia quiz, okay? You know about Peter going fishing for the temple tax. You know about the six-finger giant. You know, some people like to read for intellectual pursuit. Reading to prove a point, okay? Reading to prove a point, right? When, when do you stop looking for your keys? Is when you find them. I hope you stop looking for your keys that you find them. Uh, oftentimes we have got an idea in mind, and I'm going to find the Bible verses by golly that back up my position. Right? And everything else happens to be your interpretation. Right? So I'm going to keep looking and get my deck stacked really nicely to support my view, and I can say it's in the Bible. As a matter of fact, my grandfather, who was a um, country preacher, uh, I was a kid after the, after the Sunday dinner, he'd say, after dinner, oh, yeah, because back then it was breakfast, dinner, and supper. Some of you remember those days, right? Dinner was a heavy meal uh, at noon. He um, would say, yep, after dinner, uh, a good nap. That's in the Bible. And I was, wow, man, this is some Bible scholar. You know, and I go looking, looking, looking. After about the fourth or fifth week of this, I was home for a while. I was a missionary kid in Brazil. I'd come to the States, and uh, he would say that, and I find and grandfather. Show me where this verse is. I said, he said, hang on. You know, it's Levitical law. And so he kind of thumbed his Bible in the book of Leviticus. And he would, sure enough, until the first time he came across the word that. And he would say, that is in the Bible. So what he said, he would say, that's in the Bible. Not what he just said, the word that. He never said the word that. Of course, I took a line hook and sinker. I said, man, what a wise guy. So, and... Here I am, a bazillion years later, telling you that that's in the Bible. And I've used it, by the way, very, very effectively. That's in the Bible. Okay. Um, read his literature, folks. Uh, you're, you're, you're reading cross grain. God's Word is about revealing Himself to us. Okay? It's not about literature. Even though I'm delighted that I, I was you know, taught in various kinds of schools, and I like being with people that are looking at the Bible as literature, but that's not the end game. God didn't inspire writers to enable you to read Job or to read some of the Psalms as literature. As, as beautiful some of it is, as it is, some of it is flat out dull and boring and, and lack, lackluster. That's not the point. So never just read it as literature. Caveat. When I was a teenager, the one time that I got a friend of mine, an avowed atheist, maybe more agnostic, uh, I quoted on a card teach the child the way you should walk, and even when he's old, don't you know, deviate from it. And he was really cool. He said, Where'd you, where's that from? I had to tell him the Bible. I said, oh, this is a little book I got. It's called Proverbs. He said, yeah, I'd like to read that. So I actually got this agnostic to read the book of Proverbs based on one simple proverb. Hello. Because he was intellectual. He hit, it, he hit him up here. And eventually, he hit him down here. So any port in the storm. But again, the idea is it's not about literature. 
Folks, this is the punchline for the night. Everything else is secondary. Christianity is about heart transformation, not about behavior modification. We lose the bubble. We lose focus when we go about attitudes or behaviors. I have read the Quran. I've read the Book of Mormon. I've read the Hare Krishna. I've read the Bible. I've read the works, the Bhagavad Gita, Hindus, and Confucius. It's all about behavior modification until you get to the Word of God, and it's about heart transformation. Cannot emphasize that enough. Okay, that's what our faith is about. And I'll take anybody toe-to-toe -to -toe on this. And if, uh, on number three up there, uh, uh, text and context, and I'll open parentheses. This is a good time since we talk about witnessing a little bit. When the Seventh-day Adventist or the Latter-day Saints come to my house, knock on the door, and they, in the twos or threes, right? Uh, if they're super dressed up, it's got to be Seventh-day Adventist. If they're black, white shirts and black ties, give them a bicycle, Latter-day Saints, you with me? Okay. That's the typing here. That's the reality. Uh, I said, okay. Uh, and usually, I take a look, and my wife immediately sends me out to deal with them. I said, tell you what, here's, I would love to hear you, I would love to hear you, but let me, let me tell you how the rules of engagement. One, uh, every, every verse that you quote, when you come to stopping point, let's look it up, let's check for text and context, right? You with me? Text, what does the word say, and context, because guess what? The early, early church of the hanging Judas, Jews are not hang himself, go ye therefore and do likewise. Jews will not hang himself, go ye therefore and do likewise. Both of those verses are in the Bible, but they're nowhere near each other. You with me? I just quoted the Bible. Woohoo! Context matters. So check for text, check for context, and I'll tell you what, I will give you uh, 10 minutes to share your faith if you'll give me 10 minutes to share mine. I've been doing this for 47 years, probably three or four dozen folks. Nobody has ever taken me up on it. I go back to my cutting the grass or whatever, goofing off, high-fiving myself. Woo-hoo! All right. Any questions on this? Good. I think we've got just about ready to do some OIA, observation, interpretation, application. So buckle up. Here we go. And I have you guys out by breakfast. Pastor Scott said enough to keep you guys too late. All right. Uh, Proverbs 1, 1 through 6. Somebody please in a sartorial voice. Santorian voice, read it, please. Proverbs 1, 1 through 6. Don't be bashful. instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. All right. What is the stated purpose? 
brackets notwithstanding, <laughs> what's the stated purpose of the book of Proverbs? Hey, Cliff Notes work, right? What does these words say? Speak aloud as I can hear. Increase in learning and obtain guidance. Okay. Increase in learning. We good with that? Any other stated purpose? Good. You're sticking to the text. Observation. That's interesting. <laughs> you know, to air is human, to really foul things up, requires a computer. Let's see what happened here, folks. Bear with me. So, according to these verses, what must a person do to grow in wisdom? Read Proverbs. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Reader's Digest condensed version. Read Proverbs. Anything else we need to do? Listen. Just and fair. Who determines that? Hang on for that thought for a quick second. Laura, right, let me ask you more about your listen. Thank you for that. Verse 5, right? What does it mean to listen to the advice of God's Word, and how can you do it? One thing that uh, has come more clear to me is that when I read this, I need to know that I'm wanting more, to know more about God. So many times we open the Bible and want to look at about me. And we need to realize that each step of the way is learning more about our God mm. by reading His Word. Well said. Well said. Thank you. Many times we come to the Lord in prayer seeking His hands instead of seeking his face. And we need to kind of pivot a little bit. It's perfectly okay, right? Give me this day or daily bread, I'll take that. And a little bit of peanut butter and some grilled cheese sandwich and a Big Mac to go with it, okay? You need to see God's face as well as his hand. Tell me more of what you just said. What you just write. Um, if you do things that are right and just and fair. Okay, right and just and fair. Then what happens? 
We don't know. Right. So what's it, what's it? Thank you. So, yeah, help help us out. Right, just, and fair. Elaborate. What's he, what's he telling us to do? Is that the outcome? Is that the cause? Of that? Is that the causes of the effect of wisdom? It's a standard. A standard. Okay. So if we want wisdom, we do those things, or if we do those things, we gain wisdom. Which comes first? Wisdom precedes that. Can you do what is right, just, and fair without wisdom? No. Okay. The answer is no. I'm hearing kind of a no. It's like the difference between being a manager and being a leader. I can be a great mechanic. I can be a great mechanic. I can be very legalistic. The scribes and the Pharisees had their black belt in doing what was right, just, and fair according to the Torah. Were they doing what was right, just, and fair according to the standards the Lord gave us? So that's the difference between um, being a good mechanic, a good manager, and being a leader. I can do right, just, and fair things if you give me the script. Without thinking, I take the standards. Okay. The interesting thing is, I don't know if you can see this or not. If I were to ask you, what kind of a line is this in general terms, how would you define that line? Downhill. Descending, downhill, is it straight or crooked? Crooked. Okay, there's consensus it's crooked? Yes. How do we know it's crooked? Because we know what straight is. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Oh, smart grasshopper. Smart event. Yes! We have seen what a straight line looks like. Therefore, everything that doesn't look straight is duh, crooked. So, a fish doesn't know it's wet until it jumps out of water. Thank you. If I uh, process that, yeah. So, if you are with the FBI and you're in the counterfeit division, you'll spend about seven months, seven months, about two weeks, on, in the counterfeit division, looking at all the conceivable ways that the, our monetary or dollar, five of the big bills are counterfeited. You'll study the way that the wrinkles, the faces, you know, the mustaches on George Washington, please don't accept those. And dollar bills with Alfred E. Newman on, probably counterfeit. Um, so we spent an inordinate amount of training looking at all, all the different ways that the counterfeit counterfeiters have worked with our currency. If you're a Royal Mounted Canadian Police, uh, A, up in Canada, uh, you will spend three days in the counterfeit division. Because all you do in those three days is study how the currency should look like. You focus, Canucks, on your straight line. This is the authentic bill. Anything that deviates from that is a crooked line. So we indeed, the author of Proverbs, is telling us that we've got several approaches. We can be great mechanics, great managers of practicing right, justice, fairness, without wisdom, or we'll get the wisdom going. You good with that? Yes, please. Well, it says there, what does it mean to listen? Yes. Significant difference between hearing something and truly listening. Okay. You know, 
So, so what do you think? Okay. Uh, those type things. So the Pharisees were missing that. Did you hear that? A little bit louder for the folks in the back that have been sleeping in the back of the room. The difference between listening and hearing? Which which has which picks up on intent, which picks up on just the audio part? Audio is hearing. Audio is hearing, right? I mean the prophet Isaiah sees that, right? You got ears to hear, but hear not, eyes to see, but see not. There's a difference between looking and seeing. You know, my wife Elizabeth uh, comments that I have got an amazing ability to note the obvious once it's pointed out to me. Okay? So I take great pride in that accomplishment. Wait a second. Uh, okay, so the point here then is, is how, thank, thank you, how do we listen? How do we listen to the Word of God? How do we bring that from here and make the eight-inch transition to an ear? Okay. Good stuff. So how many of you in here, don't raise your hand, but do you have time, do you carve out time in your day to listen to God? Books have been written on how to listen to God. And folks, I have a hard time with that. I'm really trying to cultivate this year, this, this, this COVID, end of COVID transition year, I'm trying to focus on... I got my prayer time wired. I've got. I feel confident. I do my reading. I'm in my prayer time. That's okay, Lord. Balls in your court. You got my attention. Holy Spirit, talk to me. Not there yet. Not there yet. Uh, so, join me in my journey. If you've got a really good technique for listening, now I, I do. God speaks a lot, loud and clear to me in His Word. That's probably my go-to listen point because I'm a visual learner. You know, excuse me, give me a pacemaker. Sorry, I apologize for that. I'm good. All right, so listening and hearing, thank you. So work on that skill set. When you've got to figure it out, please share with me. And then what does it mean to say in Proverbs that Proverbs is practical, intellectual, moral, and revealing? Well, if you're like me, anytime I go through Proverbs, I may have been looking for a specific proverb, something like that, but oftentimes I stray and I get led deeper and deeper and down and I can't stop. <laughs> you ever find that? And so if you're seeking truth and you find a true source of it, it's hard to stop if you really appreciate the truth. And of course, I do because I accept God's word, including Proverbs, as his direct communication to me. Amen. That, requ that requires reading. That requires carving out time, making time to do a deep dive in God's word, even if it's superficial. It's almost, sometimes it's like on the internet, right? You start chasing rabbits, and next thing you know, an hour and a half have gone by, and you think, my goodness, Sometimes it happens with us in God's Word. We're really we're looking for something and something else jumps out of us. And the Holy Spirit says, Robert, hello, I'm talking to you. And Earth the Kirk, Earth the Kirk, come in Kirk. All right, thank you for that. Yeah, Proverbs handles it all. My atheist agnostic friend absolutely found it. It started at the intellectual level and he began to realize the practical aspect of it. And pretty soon he got to understanding. Folks, you cannot 
we cannot have morality without an understanding of the God who's the giver of morality. God is our straight line. I don't care where you are in the universe. You watch kids at play, and a kid cuts in front of another kid in line. I don't care where you are in the world. I've been you know, several hundred countries. They'll always say, that's not fair. That's not right. How do you know? God gives us the moral compass. And sadly, without Christ, there is a moral compass, but it's magnetic north, not true north. Mariners in here understand, you get your compass out, and you sail by magnetic north, you're going to be 16.5 degrees off of true north. You can go ahead north, but it ain't true north. And we have traded true north of Jesus Christ for magnetic north of society telling us what's right, what's wrong, what's just, what's fair. Let's recognize whose bosses are loud playing. Name the prerequisites, please, in verse 5. What's the prerequisite in verse 5? Somebody read that, please, out aloud. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. All right. Listen and get. Sit and get. <coughs> And we'll jump a little bit to 1 7 and then 2 6 through 8. We did uh, touch on that a little while ago. What does that 1 7 say? Fearing the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, which rules despise wisdom and instruction. Booyah! Booyah! Love that. April Fool's Day, named after them. All right, 2 6 through 8. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. He who watches over Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. It is the same thing with you and your brothers and sisters. I'm glad he's got the watch and not me. All right, what does it mean to fear the Lord? I know that in this August group we may, need, may not need to discuss that, but what does it mean? Sunday school answer. Fear means what? Revere. Revere. And I think the pastor touches on that pretty, about once a quarter, he kind of circles a wagon to remind us what fear is all about. In a good way. And then again, how does the fear of God lead to knowledge? Again, what does the scripture say? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Period. There we go. Seems like a common denominator to all of Proverbs, doesn't it? What kind of knowledge is Proverbs 1 7 referring to? To what kind of knowledge? Because we talk about wisdom a lot and we kind of skirted knowledge a little bit. Can we bring knowledge to play here or is that not applicable? Willingness to want to learn more. Okay. I think we should say an openness to 
to listen to it, to move with the impulse of the Holy Spirit. I like that. Wisdom is putting knowledge to work. Okay. Okay, I like that. Apply, apply knowledge is wisdom. Applying it well. In the right way. Yes, yes. Well, and that... Go ahead. This also says sound wisdom. Ah. So there must be unsound wisdom as well. Okay, can you think of... People can be educated in the wrong things or the evil things. And there's a, in essence, a certain wisdom or knowledge, if you will, about... I've had my niece tell me about things that I'm thinking. You know, you're, you're studying or you're learning about the wrong stuff. You know, if you spent the time applying yourself to these things over here, forget about this stuff. You know, I mean, she's got street smarts. Okay. You know, type um, of thing, but... I like that. Thank you. Yeah, so... Certainly, again, back to one of the first examples we said, you may be very, very smart and knowledgeable, and, and you've got a platform, and your platform is Pickle Pig's Feet, okay? And everybody comes to you for Pickle Pig's Feet. Pretty soon, you've got your own TV show, and now you're commenting on Angel Food Cake and orangutans in, on the Amazon, which aren't on the Amazon, they're in Africa. So, uh, but once you get your platform, right, people listen to you, and they forget that your expertise is in Pickle Pig's Feet, not in orangutans. So, but when you relap on the Lord for your understanding. All right, folks, uh, we'll kind of land this plane here next. What do you think it means that God is a shield for those who live in integrity? Or the other uh, translation was upright. How can God be a shield for you? Same thing you said just 
You should take a picture. You should take a this. Here, please. All right. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Good stuff. These are tools of the dig. Tools of the dig. Anything else speak to your heart tonight? One of the important things I find about Proverbs is that we're not talking any highfalutin, wildly constructed stuff sitting here on paper. We're talking about a message from the creator of the universe who is infinitely smarter than we are, and yet he can boil it down for us dummies to, you know, find our way around this creation and serve the God that we need to serve the way he wishes to be served and worshipped and so forth. I find that display of intelligence like that more unfathomable than almost anything else in my life. Like calculus. <laughs> I'm a right brain. Thank you for that. Not good time. I think that, that verse 7 has given me comfort sometimes. There are some in our family that are very intelligent, but they won't listen to the fact the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But then the next line. Since fools despise wisdom. And so I think to myself, the Lord, maybe that's the problem. <laughs> Watch God's left hook. <laughs> and finally, folks, before we get into our prayer time, and I know I'm watching the clock too, how does all this, how do these verses point us to Jesus? I mean, we're looking at Psalmist, you know, Proverbs of Solomon. So how do we, how do we connect the dots from Proverbs 1 to Luke 2. Or the crucifixion and the resurrection. Colossians tells us that Jesus is wisdom. He is wisdom. Did you hear that? <clears throat> Colossians. He is wisdom. Well, the fact that the primary author of this particular book uh, was given an opportunity to um, tell God what he wanted to be king and he asked for wisdom and then God said well because you asked for wisdom which was of him I'm going to give you all these other things too so King Solomon um, you know got that but what this this particular book does too it gives you so many comparison and contrast between right and wrong, good and evil, that it's it's giving you a plumb line according to scripture. Calls it a plumb line. Now that plumb line, as far as uh, being out there determining right and wrong, is just like the entire word of God to us. It's designed to make us look at ourselves. You may study the word of God. But it's studying you mm -hmm. back. And the whole purpose of it pointing out these things that are negative about you 
is to bring to the point of desperation so you see your need for Jesus Christ and how you don't meet his, his uh, standard of standard again, of perfection. That's what drives us to the heaven. We realize that we're not perfect and we have to be if we're going to go to heaven and have a relationship with God. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you. Anything else we need to process tonight before we get into our prayer time? All right, let us do that. And uh, would you mind, uh, can I ask you to take us through the prayer time since you know these people? Just kind of go through the list. Uh, I'll ask you to start the prayer, and then we'll have open season of prayer. And then I'll do the benediction. That sounds. Lord God, created heaven and earth and all that's in it, Father, we come to you in your precious and holy name. God, because we're worthy, because we don't want to give you our prayers, Lord. There is none like you, Father. You are a moment, God. God, we praise you. Father, we want to lift up uh, these prayer requests before you, Lord. Uh, God, we've got uh, several people's names up here, and God, this is by no means exhaustive. Uh, this list uh, is just representative, Lord, of us being such a needy people, Lord. We're dependent on you for our very next breath, um, you know, our next heartbeat. God, every good and perfect gift comes from you, Lord, Father of lights. So, Father, let's lift up a Jackie, Lord, uh, who just recently got a pacemaker in. God, just pray that uh, that uh, her body would not reject any of the components of that. And Father, that uh, you would be with the physicians that are uh, involved, uh, not just physicians, but her whole care team, um, that you'd be with them so that uh, they can monitor and make sure uh, she's adapting accordingly, Lord. And Father, one with the Bubba, uh, who just had this... Uh, 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 heart cap uh, that's going to be necessary Thursday, Lord. God, we just uh, pray that you would be with his particular care team as well. Um, be with them uh, surgically, Lord, uh, that uh, you give them the steadiness of hand, Father, the knowledge, uh, uh, the foresight, Lord, that they're going to need to be able to do um, something that's you know, so um, detailed, Lord. I mean, God, uh, Pray for them to have wisdom, knowledge, and understanding about what they're doing. And God, Chuck and Lord, and lift him up as well as Lord and Katie. God, we pray that you would continue to do with those prayer requests, Lord. Like I said, we're such a needy people, God. Where there's healing, God, we pray that you provide healing, Lord, whether that be physical healing, emotional healing. Uh, Father, it could be, you know, just a, a person's outlook in life, uh, Lord, uh, depression, these types of things, Lord, people without jobs, Lord. God, there's just so many things that, that we're dependent on you for, Lord. And uh, Father, we're going to pray for uh, Jerry Sullivan's having his heart issues, Lord. Uh, God, we pray that you put your healing hand upon each and every one of these requests. and. God, we pray that you get the honor and glory for it. Father, you should uh, determine that um, this whole process to walk through this is what's going to bring you glory and honor. And God, we just pray that you be with them during that 
process and that, uh, uh, Father, that uh, you provide perhaps a testimony uh, for these people to have for us uh, or family members and whatnot. Father, we pray for Barbara Zook and the Kent family as well. safely to us. God, we pray, Lord, for all of our Sunday school teachers, Father, our deacons, um, the, the whole um, um, pastoral staff here, Lord. God, we pray that you protect them, Lord. God, we pray that uh, you put a hedge around them, Lord, to protect uh, their integrity, Lord, and uh, their purity, Lord. God, we pray that they be clean vessels that uh, they can present your word without distortion, Father. And God, we just pray for each member of this church. God, we pray that you fill each one of us with the presence and power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, to the point that he's overflowing out of our lives and the lives of other people. And um, Father, we pray, Lord, for this nation, Lord. Uh, it's hard to believe, Lord, that we've fallen so far in just a little over 200 years, Lord. Oh, Lord, I pray, Lord, for revival and spiritual awakening within this land. God, I pray, Lord, that since it always begins with your people, whether it be judgment or revival, God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to uh, take uh, this, this serious, uh, that what we're experiencing right now, what we're going through. And, uh, God, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, help us to see the necessity of turning to you, Lord, getting our hearts right. Confessing sins that uh, may be, um, you know, uh, impeding our relationship with you, Lord. God, we just pray that um, that you touch us in a special way. Each one of us has a specific button, and only you know, Lord. So, God, we pray that you touch that button in each one of us and uh, get us on our knees, Lord. Uh, help us, Lord, to uh, <coughs> hopefully not be forced into a position like that. But Father, that we would uh, willingly bow before you, your Lordship, seeking your faith, seeking your guidance, and uh, God, uh, seeking the direction, Lord, that uh, you want us to go uh, and what you want us to do, Lord. And God, we pray that all this will be done for your honor, and your glory, and for your kingdom. And uh, we pray that Jesus will receive all this glory for it. Amen. Thank you, guys. Our time is up. I, uh, thank you. I just know. It's wonderful. Uh, we've been in the presence of the Lord. We have been in the presence of the Lord. Thank you. I pray for each other this week as we depart and you find rest. Um, we've poured our hearts out before the Lord. But equally important, your minds have been engaged. And God's been praised and honored because of your engagement. So thank you. Go in peace. Next week, the AP will be back. I thank you all for joining the Ephesians. Armor of God.